Excuse me, I'm looking for this issue's character. Have you seen him? Of course, sir. Can you describe him? A uh, tall, athletic build. Okay. Kind of short-tempered. Short-tempered, got it. Uh, wings on his feet. Ah, let me guess, he runs really fast. N- no, actually, he, he swims fast. Swims with wings? And he has a green speedo. Over his suit? That is his suit. Huh, no wonder he's short-tempered. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Namor, the Submariner. Cue water effects. (laughs) We're going to do this whole episode while drinking water. Uh, we are very excited about doing uh, yet another anti-hero, Namor, who is being featured heavily in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which we decided, you know what, let's talk about Namor. And boy, howdy, Lance, was I surprised about all of the history and just baggage and everything that comes along with Namor. He's a really interesting character and, you know, another one of those characters that's kind of hard to get into, but uh, I have greater respect for namor now i think as a character there was so much to learn about this character considering the fact that he's one of marvel's earliest characters period yeah Yeah. like one of three it's crazy yeah Uh, and we're definitely going to get into those details as well but should we just dive straight into the bio let's dive in (laughs) i see what you did there Namor, the Submariner, is one of the oldest characters from Marvel Comics, created by Bill Everett. He is a half-human, half-Atlantean, and has fought for and against mankind and the heroes of the surface world. This makes Namor one of the original anti-heroes. You may even be surprised to learn he was created before his DC counterpart, Aquaman. Namor is considered Marvel's first mutant in publication, but was not revealed to be a mutant until Fantastic Four Annual Number 1. Now, you might be thinking, but there's mutants that are way older. Yes, we're talking about publication mutant versus, let's say, like Apocalypse or Wolverine, who chronologically would have been around before Namor. Yeah, way older than him. While he has helped out other Marvel heroes, he's often found butting heads with them. When Namor holds a grudge, it's for life. He's part of the Illuminati, a secret union of the world's smartest heroes. While he might not be the most popular character in comics, he's definitely one of the most powerful, and arguably looks the best in small swim trunks. Often speaking in Shakespearean diatribes and shouting his catchphrase, Imperious Rex, Namor embodies a brash, angsty, anger-driven anti-hero. Namor first appeared in Motion Picture Funnies Weekly, a very strange title, which had eight copies produced and almost no one saw this. Lance is going to talk about this later. He appeared in Marvel Comics 1 and later Marvel Mystery Comics. Namor didn't get his own title, Submariner, until 1941. This was published quarterly and finally bimonthly until 1949. 
After superhero comics dwindled in the 50s and timely became Atlas Comics, Namor popped up in a 50s version of Marvel, which is Atlas Comics, in Young Men 24. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I had I no no clue about that title before this. Young men. There's there's like yeah, young love and young men because you can have superhero comics, but you could have superheroes in comics for like romance and stuff like that. Do you feel like the girls back then too were like, hey, I, I also want to read this. Why are you calling this comic young men? <laughs> well, it's young men and it's a it's about a guy who only wears a speedo. I mean, like, what's not to like? All right. Uh, Namor goes away for a while and then he eventually comes back during the Silver Age of comics, which is Marvel's heyday in the 60s, notably in Fantastic Four. Number four is when he makes his reappearance now in Marvel Comics. Namor would eventually get his own title again, Submariner, in 1968 after some licensing stuff. uh, They were able to make it his own title. Uh, The art was by John Buscema written by Roy Thomas. Creator Bill Everett would even come back to write and draw the comic shortly before his death. The series would last until 1974. And it was this exact same time period where we got this resurgence uh, of like the Bronze Age titles. So this is when we got that iconic Iron Man number one, Silver Surfer number one, Submariner number one. And then there's also the uh, I think it was the Iron Man and the Submariner, or maybe their the title names were switched, but that's like another big key that people go after. In the modern age, the saga of the Submariner debuted in 1988, providing a retrospective of the character and tied up some loose ends and retconned a few things. Of course, Namor had popped up here and there, guest appearances throughout the 80s, but this was the first one that really focused on him, his origin as Things were happening a lot back then with origins in the late 80s of characters. In 1990, Namor the Submariner premiered, which would continue until 1995. This was written and drawn by John Byrne, classic John Byrne, and later drawn by Jay Lee. In 2003, we got simply titled Namor, a 12-issue miniseries written by Marvel then-president Bill Jemis and Andy Watson, with art by Salvador LaRocca. Some really great names on, oh, yeah. on this character, just like classic. I mean, it's spanning so much time across uh, across several decades. Uh, 2011, he kind of focused his attention on being a mutant, and we got Namor, the first mutant, lasting about a year. And in this year, 2022, Namor has his own book called Namor the Submariner Conquered Shores by Christopher Cantwell and art by Pascal Ferre. Now, I feel like normally with this many single series, we would be like, oh, yeah, this person's been represented fairly well during their span of creation. But considering the fact this character came out in 1939, Mm. you would expect them to have even more, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of reminds me of when we did the Black Panther episode, like he he came out in the 60s. And then he went away and then he came back and he went away. So there's been some pretty sizable gaps. And, you know, just like some of these other characters that sort of disappeared for a while during the 50s and then came back. I think Namor was a was a popular antihero with a lot of fans, but um, it, it was sort of hard to find his audience. Like, I don't know if they were going after like 
people that are really swim enthusiasts or, you know, people that it was like a direct competition with Aquaman or uh, who knows. But uh, for whatever reason, like he didn't get that lasting popularity, but he did get enough of a cult following to warrant a couple of resurgence in, in the series coming back. All right, let's dive straight into his origin. Namor is the mutant son of a human sea captain and the princess of the undersea kingdom of Atlantis. He was born in the capital city of the Atlantean Empire, a pink-skinned baby amongst the blue-skinned Atlanteans. Namor would be raised by his mother, only occasionally having contact with humans. He grew up with his cousin Namora, and as a teenager, encountered the enemy Atuma, leader of the Chasm people. A young, impulsive Namor was convinced by a human acquaintance, Betty Dean, to fight with the Allies in World War II. Namor denied her plans until the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He joined the invaders with Captain America and the first Human Torch, the android Human Torch. After losing several good friends to the war, he was approached by and traveled with Professor Charles Xavier in search of mutants. Xavier attempted to heal Namor's PTSD, but instead made it worse, causing Namor to fly off in a rage. Namor was injured in an undersea bombing incident, causing amnesia. All of this, along with an oxygen imbalance due to spending time on land and underwater, was said to lead to a bipolar disorder, which Namor has struggled with all his life. After being injured during the Genus incident, Namor was found by the Fantastic Four in New York, starting his Silver Age appearances. And a lot of that history is stuff that was kind of built over some of these other comics, so that's kind of his origin, but it wasn't told until much later. Um, all of the all that stuff of like Charles Xavier going along with them, like we didn't find out about that. That's the writers kind of tying everything together, which makes sense. But I like how, you know, initially he was just this angry guy. And then later we kind of find out like, oh, it's because he was dealing with a lot of stuff from the war and he had friends that died. And, and he's also dealing with an oxygen imbalance and he might be bipolar. So I, maybe that's just a modern way of justifying it. But I, I kind of like that they grounded him haha in some ways um by making him more relatable even though he's this like brash super angry uh anti-hero well it, it makes sense that rather than just having a character that is angry give mm-hmm. them reasoning for having that type of personality yeah and yeah. What the, all the layers that they threw on top of this character makes sense for the reason why he is the way he is it's it's good lit good to have layers Let's learn a little bit more about the character. So first, his name and aliases. Prince Namor, also known as the Submariner. Namor McKenzie, because his father was Leonard McKenzie. So I just, I read that go. at first. And I was like, Namor McKenzie? What, what is that? <laughs> uh, but his last name is McKenzie, if he's a human. His name means Avenging Son. He's the King of Atlantis. And Kukukan. Exactly. So in the trailer, we hear M'Baku say that he's known as Kukulkan, the, the feather serpent god. And this is because they are tying Namor now to the Mesoamerican uh, serpent deity. So uh, this, this info really quickly is just from Screen Rant. So the feather serpent god was worshipped by the Yucatec 
Maya people before 1500, but mm. it also had many other names besides Kukulkan in other Mesoamerican cultures. So they're they're taking even more like history. So rather than using like an Atlantean style mix, yeah. which who knows, maybe they will include like the Atlantis side of it too. But they're also bringing that land-based culture, which I, f- I love. I-, I think it's such a good idea. Yeah. Affiliations. And this guy has been part of so many things, uh, good and bad, which makes him fascinating. So he was part of the uh, Illuminati. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, he's been in the Avengers. He's been in the Defenders, the Cabal, the Invaders, Heroes for Hire, the Phoenix Five. Uh, he's affiliated with Dr. Doom. He's been part of the X-Men. He was, this is my favorite, the All Winners Squad. <laughs> that was What year did that 40s. one come out? Uh, the 40s? <laughs> okay. He formed his own underwater Avengers called the Defenders of the Deep. Love made it. Made up of a bunch of uh, aquatic villains and heroes and whatnot. Supporting characters and allies include Dorma, uh, his main love interest, who was killed. Namora, his cousin. Namorita, Namora's clone, Finn, his mother, Leonard Mackenzie, his father, Lyron, son of Namor, Tiger Shark, Stingray, the Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, Emma Frost, and many, many, many more. Some of those are also antagonists, <laughs> <laughs> including, in addition to, Atuma, Lyra, Tiger Shark, Orca, Piranha, Sea Urchin, Great White. I'm sending, sensing a theme here. Magneto, the Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, <laughs> Warlord Krang, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Squadron Supreme, Cassandra Nova, and Captain Barracuda. Now, really great rogues gallery because they're all fish-based, you know, like fish names. But I, I do want to point out probably one of the most Game of Thronesy kind of characters, which is Lyra. So this is the the princess of another underwater kingdom, right? So she really wants the throne of Atlantis. Okay. And in the story with her, she goes to Namor's father. She finds out who he is. Leonard McKenzie uh, disguises herself and sleeps with him and, and gets impregnated with uh, a baby. Right. And then somehow she knows that Namor is basically infertile because he's a mix between Atlantean and human. She goes and poses as Sue Storm and says, oh, I'll be with you. And then kind of tricks him into sleeping with her. Right. And then that sort of gives her this like, hey, I'm having your baby. (laughs) I get somehow this is he finds out like, oh, no, you tricked me. And but it's not actually his baby. It's his father's baby. (laughs) Like what kind of weird. This is the most like daytime soap opera story I've ever heard. It, it gets, it gets worse or better, uh, depending on how you look at it. So (laughs) then she goes to this like Atlantean evil genetic scientist uh, because comics. And she's like, I want my son to grow up quicker. So they rapidly age him and give him like memories and stuff. And then he becomes Lyron who is the son of Namor and he's green. He basically looks like Namor, but he's green and he ends up like being kind of like, uh, he's not really Namor's son, but he just calls himself the son. And he's basically like, I'm going to be the heir to the throne. And that's how she tries to make a claim for the throne because she can't take it, but she does it through this genetically altered kind of half son incestual kind of it's, 
it's so i was like what <laughs> this is some game of thrones stuff i think they need their own atlantean version of the maury show yeah so that they can find out who is the father that's messed up and and namor has had so many love interests that have died like i feel bad for this guy like his you know uh, dorma died and namora died and uh his and then he was dating marina and she died and like are we Sue are Storm we sure just, are we sure he's just not like a mass murderer? Like he's just leading to these deaths of all these women. It's like a death know, sentence at this point. I mean, there's been a lot. Hyperion from Squadron Supreme uh, decapitated him. And then time, uh, time travel went back and he came back to life. But like a lot of people don't like this guy. Like he's, he, he pisses off a lot of people. Yeah. Powers and abilities include, uh, well, he is a mutant, so his mutant power is actually flight. He's got these little wings. There's the cutest little thing on his feet, and he flies around, and he can use the wings in, in water to propel himself out of the water like a flying fish. Um, it's it's quite glorious. Lots, lots of panels of him, like, bursting out of the water and using his enormous uh, strength. He has aquatic adaptation. He's fire-resistant. He has hydrokinesis, controlling water. He has echolocation. He has electric shock abilities, telepathy, empathy, and control of marine life, super strength, endurance, durability, and agility. He's an amazing hand-to-hand combatant, as well as wielding a deadly trident. He has an incredibly long lifespan, and he is also very intelligent and has a high intellect, which he's not just been the leader of a of a nation underwater but he's also like started you know a successful business he uses gold that he finds from wrecked ships and like started a company uh, called oracle to be the the front to like control things to take out other countries that cause pollution like very smart dude very smart dude yeah and he always con and he's constantly hitting on sue storm sue storm yeah it's the one that got away for sure yeah (laughs) It's time. Let's dip our feet. Get get your toes wet a little bit and go into the archives. William Blake Bill Everett came from a well-off family with deep roots in New England. His family has ties with Everett, Massachusetts, Edward Everett, the former president of Harvard University and the eventual governor of Massachusetts and later the U.S. Secretary of State and also related to the famous Romantic Age poet, William Blick. Oh, wow. Yeah, lots of connections there. Bill showed an interest in the arts, but gravitated towards classical literature and poetry. At 12, Bill contracted tuberculosis and was pulled from school to recuperate for a few months out west. It was at this time that he would take his first drink, leading to teenage alcoholism. His health recovered sufficiently to return to school by the age of 16, but his alcoholism and rebellious nature saw him quickly removed from high school when he, where he enrolled in Vesper George School of Art, but again, quickly dropped out in the following year. His father would pass away that same year from acute appendicitis, pushing Bill to follow the path his father wanted for him, a career as a cartoonist. Wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> he's, yes. He's, this is... This kid's got a like a, a Disney origin or something like he's he's got a bad alcohol problem. His his dad is dying of all these like early uh, ailments. And he's like, son, my dying wish is for you to become a famous cartoonist. <laughs> but 
Well, one, which other Disney origin starts with teenage alcoholism? I mean, you know, there's um, uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> He's an uh, alcoholic. Uh, Pinocchio is, oh, is great. into whiskey. Um, there you go. Well, his is like uh, wood varnish. Yeah, there's there's a few. You know. Okay, we'll go with that. But have you ever considered like a a super or I won't say super, but a well off family that that had all these political connections, and that family was like, hey, you should be a cartoonist. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're missing some stuff. Like maybe there there's these a couple of scenes in the biography of this of this character. This person, this real person, uh, if he had a, a like a movie biography made about him, there, there'd be those cute little scenes where he's like, but I really like comics, dad. And like he's reading comics with his dad, you know, but he gets into a lot of trouble, blah, blah, blah. But he remembers the comics that he read with his dad. And he's like, no, that's what I want to do. You know, like I feel like that we're missing the sentimental. We're, we moments. need to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Missing some sources. Anyway. Bill became a professional advertising artist for the Boston newspaper, The Herald Traveler. He would later work for the New York Herald Tribune, as well as becoming the art editor for tech publications, Radio News Magazine. His first comic strip, Skyrocket Steel, was printed by Centaur Publications. That's a good name. Yeah, I like it. Bill would co-create the superhero Amazing Man at Centaur <laughs> alongside Lloyd Jacket. And would draw the first five issues of the series. How you can tell this guy's been time. around if if he got the name Amazing Man because that's 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 a that's gonna gotta be one of the first superheroes. That it's literally it's literally probably the step above just a character being called superhero. Yeah, <laughs> Bill would follow Lloyd at his new company Funnies Inc which was one of the first comic book packagers. Now, we, we've talked about packagers before on the show, but they were essentially companies that would supply artwork and editorial material to publishers. It was at Funnies, Inc. that Bill would write, pencil, ink, and letter an eight-page story for Motion Picture Funnies Weekly 1, which would introduce the Submariner. Now, we mentioned this earlier, Motion Pictures Funnies Weekly was meant to be a promotional comic for movie theaters to give out to children, but the project was scrapped when theater managers didn't feel like it was a worthwhile investment, and it's believed that only about eight to nine sample copies of issue one were even printed. That's crazy. That's like me making my own zine. And printing out like a couple of copies and going down to AMC and be like, hey, can you hand these out to the people, these kids coming in? And they're like, OK. And they do it once and they're like, eh, it didn't work out for us. That's a stupid idea. And then and then I go on to make a, a million dollars with this character that I once did. Like, that's that's crazy talk. Yeah. The, the idea that one of Marvel's earliest characters ever is printed in a book that only has that was eight a or nine. <laughs> yeah, that only has eight or nine in existence is <laughs> mind-boggling to me. Yeah. As a result, Bill would end up reusing his uncirculated work with Funny Inc.'s first client, a publisher founded by Martin Goodman called Timely Publications. Uh, and uh, we know that Timely would go on to become what, Chris? Atlas. A and then? Oh, Marvel. <laughs> yes, the more important one for that. There we go. 
the original eight-page story was expanded to 12 pages, and the world was introduced to the Submariner, a.k.a. Namor, in Marvel Comics 1, released in October of 1939. Now, Marvel Comics 1 is very significant in the comic world space. It is the first single comic published by Timely Comics, and would serve as the catalyst for their monthly comic releases. Marvel Comics was renamed Marvel Mystery Comics for issue 2. Now, Samariner isn't the only major character introduced in this book. We also have the first appearance of the Human Torch, the android, not Johnny Storm, as well as Kazar the Great, who I believe is a clone of Tarzan. And wasn't Captain America and Bucky introduced, or was that later? Nope, that's that's not in this book. Oh, okay. Bill would also co-create the characters of Zombie and another small character you might have heard of, Daredevil. Oh, dang. Yeah. So, kind of going back to the fact that these issues were so, like, lower print runs, right? So, we know that there's only eight or nine copies of this Motion Pictures Funnies Weekly. And there isn't even a sale that I could find online except for one that sold in 2005. It was a 9-0 and sold for only $43,000. Now, I say only because if that book jumped on the market today and was known as being one of eight or nine in existence, that book would go for high, high money. Marvel Comics 1, which was a 9.2, sold on March 17th of this year, 2022, for over $2.4 million. And then more Oof. recently, a 6.0 sold on September 22nd of this year for over $700,000. Jeez. That's nuts. It It is basically like the first single issue that... Marvel, quote unquote, that would become Marvel later, their first yeah. issue. So it's it's a major key to have. Yeah. And first appearance. Lots of first appearances. Should we talk about the pull list? Yeah, let's dive into that. I, you know, had never read much of Namor as as many of these characters that we talk about and uh when looking at recommendations for hey here's some essential reading for namor um there's a lot of interesting lots of stuff to cover so you have kind of have to pick and choose what we really wanted to do the one that was the most interesting to me was a well i'm going to recommend two the one that was most interesting to me was a comic called submariner the depths which is a Marvel Knights book of sort of an alternate 1950s story. It's a gothic horror 1950s sci-fi tale, kind of like an episode of The Twilight Zone, uh, beautifully painted by Asad Ribic and written by Peter Milligan, who also did X-Force. It's, it's a five-issue miniseries, and it's told from the point of view of kind of like a... Um, Agent Scully from the X-Files kind of character, this guy that goes down and and, and uh, debunks myths. He's like, that's his job. He's like, eh, that's not real, you know, <laughs> and uh, sort of proves it. And so there's this myth in his, you know, in the 1950s of this, this fish man, this uh, Namor and, uh, and, and all the, all the people in the submarine that he goes down with, there's like, Oh no, he's real. And he's like, no, it's not. And the whole series is kind of like him just like, no, it's not. And he's, and 
they keep seeing clues and things happen and they keep seeing things and you barely see Namor in the comic. It's just, he's just he's this creepy shadowy slender man in the background kind of thing. And, and it's really uh, creepy and the, the painting it's, it's like all watercolored. It's really fun. It's, it's not the comic I would recommend as, as like, Hey, here's a lot of stuff about Namor, but it's just a cool comic that Namor is in. So if you want just a fun, like kind of a horror-y kind of a uh, uh, comic to read that features Namor uh, very minimally, but it's an excellent, excellent book. It's got a lot of high ratings. Uh, check out Submariner of the Depths. Now, that's one I haven't read yet, but when I re- read about the premise behind it, I was all in. And then I saw that Isad Ribic was the artist for it. And I'm even more in on that because mm. their art is phenomenal. It's it was very, very cool. My recommendation is going to be the new Avengers Illuminati. This was written by Brian Michael Bendis and Brian Reed and penciled by Jim Chung. This is a five issue. I believe it's five or six issues that tell the story of the Illuminati team. So we're talking about having Charles Xavier, uh, Iron Man. You have uh, Doctor Strange. So you have Fanta. You have Reed Richards. Black Bolt. So you have this team of the basically the leaders of every other team within the Marvel Universe, and they are doing the tasks that they think need the most attention or the most firepower to get through. And this storyline very much sets up uh, Secret Invasion, which is where the, the scrolls have had this invasion on Earth. And it's a really interesting story. It also shows a lot of the personality of Namor and how he interacts with other characters in the Marvel Universe, especially those that are like the highest tier of their field. And he still has this arrogance and uh, like blunt nature with all of them. And he also is unrelenting when this team has to do things that the the majority of them don't feel great about having to do, but they know they have to do it. Namor is wanting to celebrate because he's like, did you see what we just did? Like, this is a huge win for us. So there, there's this really interesting balance of his personality that you can see with the other quote unquote heroes of the Marvel universe. It's a great book. It, it definitely, I think when it came out, I think it surprised a lot of people because they, they were like, Hey, this thing exists and no one knew about it. And it was like this big, like, Ooh, twist, you know, like, of course this secret gathering of the smartest people in, in the Marvel universe get together, but y'all didn't know about it, but now you do like, and, and it's uh it just kind of changed a lot of like, Oh man, they, they've been playing us this whole time. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It was really cool. And Which, of course, we saw a version of the Illuminati in Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. So I, it's going to be really interesting to see how that kind of plays out in future MCU tellings. Yeah, hopefully we get to see them last more than three minutes on screen. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that version got wiped out pretty quick by Wanda. <laughs> the other book I'm going to recommend is a little bit more of a traditional... Uh, Namor uh, story, which is it's a trade paperback called Namor Visionaries, John Byrne. So this is the John Byrne uh, 90s Namor Submariner run, which is it came out in the 90s and John Byrne wrote and drew it uh, most of it. Uh, It looks like an 80s comic, though, because because the way John Byrne draws, it it just kind of has that 
you know, early X-Men. Uh, we talked about John Byrne in the She-Hulk episode. Like, he's an amazing artist. His anatomy is, you know, the way he draws anatomy, the way he draws facial expressions. It's just it's just really playful and engaging. John Byrne's a little crazy, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, the story is kind of dated. Some of the villains are very 80s looking, like there's twins that look like, you know, the lead singer of the Eurythmics, but... <laughs> He literally fights a giant pollution monster named Sludge. And you do have this classically beautiful art and storytelling. Namor is mostly all muscle. And so having somebody like John Byrne illustrate him is is great because he just focuses on the the poses and the diving and the anatomy and like every move that that Namor makes looks like he's sort of you know, doing an Olympic dive through the air and the way he fights is very choreographed. And, and, uh, this, this book really, really made, really made me appreciate Namor as a hero because at the very beginning, he sort of wakes up and this couple, uh, this father and daughter figure out like, Hey, I, we think you have this anger problem because of your oxygen imbalance. So they make a thing that kind of helps him with that. And uh, so most of the run, he's kind of in control of his anger and he's uses his treasure to form this company and he starts doing things. And he also teams up with Namorita, who is an adorably plucky sidekick. And it just kind of shows him more of as a hero. So I think uh, even though the stories are a little dated, it's it's definitely a fun read and you can read it for free out there a couple of different places. But I definitely recommend that uh, just if you want to get a sense of the hero version of Namor is uh, Namor Visionaries John Byrne. Trade paperback volume one and two. Nice. Now, normally at this point we would move over to our grail finds, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say neither of us have a grail find for Namor. I I do have the first issue of the Illuminati. Okay, that's cool. That's a yeah, fun one to have. I, I all I yes. have is the trade. I have the trade for the Illuminati, yeah. and that's it. But I did want to give a shout out over to our friends over at Tencent Takes. So Mike and Jessica, they relatively recently had an episode where they were breaking down uh, Aquaman versus Namor. And so go check out their Namor episode because it's hilarious. They, they dive in. I I need, I need to change up the word of what (laughs) I am saying. They, they do a really good uh, insight. In the deep end. (laughs) They, they go to the deep end uh, or particularly, maybe the shallow end for this one uh, about Namor. And I'll just, it's hilarious. They they might not be the Sounds greatest funny. fans of Namor, let's say that, after what they read and saw with the cartoon. But definitely go check that out. Uh, Tencent takes their Namor episode. It's hilarious. My ancestors would often say only the most broken people can be great leaders. They called him Kukul Khan. The Feather Serpent God. I need to know if Wakanda is an ally or an enemy. Who are you? My enemies call me Namor. Uh, Let's get into adaptations. So, uh, obviously, the really big one here, which is why we're kind of doing this whole episode, is Namor is going to be the main antagonist in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, played by Tanakh Huerta. Uh, he, uh, not only is Namor going to be in this movie, but also Namora and also his mother, uh, Fen, um, and Atuma 
uh, one of his big villains. So it, I'm kind of curious if Atuma is actually the big villain or if there's some other, you know, like maybe Dr. Doom, like who, who knows? Like it's, um, it's going to be real interesting. Like there, there, something's being set up here. There's so many things that Namor is connected to everything that we've heard sounds amazing. You know, uh, stuff from the trailers, uh, early, early previews, no spoilers, but like everybody says that he just knocks it out of the park and it looks like they've really take the taken, like you said, the cultural aspect of the Mayans and, 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 um, some of these things and kind of added more depth and gravitas and kind of a human connection to Namor. Um, rather than just, just having him as like, this is our Aquaman. It's like, this is a, a different kind of anti-hero that has his own motivations and, uh, and reasons for doing what he's doing. This is the Marvel film that I have been anticipating the most since the moment we got that first trailer, that like teaser spot. Oh yeah. It, 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 I think it's one of the greatest things that Marvel has ever put out for a trailer ever. It, it hits you with the emotion. It gives you an idea of what the visuals are going to be like. We, you get to see Namor falling down into this like arena area of the other Atlanteans with a really amazing headdress on. And then his throne is the jaws of a Megalodon. Like (laughs) if that is not one of the coolest comic book visuals we've seen in recent history, I don't know what is. It's hard to not compare Namor as a character to Aquaman. And while they are very similar in a lot of their things, like they can both talk to marine life and they both are you know half human half atlantean i mean it's there's so many things that are very similar um namor is definitely you know different and and he uh with his personality with his arrogance um he's been around longer (laughs) um but uh and you know to each their own like some people our team Aquaman. Some people are, are really like Namor. I think Namor in this movie is, it's going to be interesting to see like how they make him stand out. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very excited to see this uh, adaptation of him and uh, how they kind of make him uh, different and um, powerful. In addition to the movie though, there have been several animated appearances dating back to the 19. 19- 60s. He made his first appearance in 1966 in the Marvel Superheroes cartoon where he had his own little segment reoccurring. And he also made an appearance in the Fantastic Four cartoon. And he had this really bad looking like ponytail, which is weird. He's kind of thick necked and everything. Uh, He showed up in the Spider-Man cartoon. He showed up in Spider-Man and his amazing friends in a couple episodes. The Fantastic Four, again, 1994 version. And uh, he was also in Avengers United. They stand uh, a little bit later. And in 2006, the Fantastic Four World's Greatest Heroes, which I believe was the one that was kind of like anime based. uh, uh, He was uh, kind of like heavily uh, promoted in that and had a big, big feature as kind of like the antagonist in that uh, against the Fantastic Four. He's also been a playable character in uh, Spider-Man Sega Arcade. Um, he was a boss in the Fantastic Four game, um, and he was a NPC with a major story arc in the Marvel Ultimate Alliance. A live action Namor movie was actually in development 
starting in 1997, eventually partnering with Universal after their work on The Hulk with Marvel. Chris Columbus was even in negotiations to direct, and it was set for a 2007 release. This would have been right around the same time as like Iron Man, The Dark Knight. As That's crazy, you know, but to think about. But it eventually got held back because not only the script was not ready, but also because Universal held the rights and there was some kind of complaining about, oh, I don't know, maybe we want to wait. And they didn't really have the MCU quite yet, but it was sort of like, we think we want to do this. Eventually, Kevin Feige said, oh, well, Universal has the rights, so he's not going to be part of the MCU. Until recently, you know, when once they announced Wakanda Forever and, and the cast and they said that Namor was going to be part of it, everything changed. Hear me, humans. I am Namor, Prince of Atlantis. Your foul species is hereby banned from the seas and oceans of the world. Any who enter the waters will face my wrath. Imperious Rex. So here are some random facts that didn't really fit in any of these sections. In the 1950s, there was actually a live action TV series that was planned and cast, but never made. In the 1950s. That's, that, can you imagine a 1950s Namor live action TV show? No, I, I, I can't <laughs> imagine who was like, who was <sighs> like trying to get that at that period I, of time. I, I, I don't know. Well, it never happened. Namor, the character has been the caretaker of two Infinity Stones at different points in time. And you'll like this. The Amalgam Comics version. Namor was combined, of course, with who else? Aquaman to create Aqua Mariner. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> not as cool as um, Dark Claw. No, of course not. But but not not many you know, are better than Dark Claw. No one's better than Dark Claw. <laughs> Lastly, in the 1960s, when Namor reappeared, his swim trunks were actually red, not green. What? what? Each issue we do what nerds do best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week, we decided uh, what five aquatic characters would make up your water-based crossover team. Now, we, we already imagine Namor is going to be a part of the team, or he's like the coordinator for the team, whichever. So we are picking five additional characters to be adding to this. Now, From any comics or pop culture property. Anything. So, villains or, or he heroes. Yeah, I leaned more towards the heroes on my side. Uh, all right. I tried to pick a variety of different types of characters. Uh, my first pick is Aspen Matthews, who is from Top Cow, from uh, Michael Turner. Um, she is incredibly powerful. I didn't really read a lot of uh, Fathom, but Aspen Matthews is basically a waterbender and 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 she is super powerful very high up there with with uh the power sets of water control and, and hydrokinesis and things like that so aspen matthews is a big heavy hitter she's also a bit of a looker let's be honest michael turner uh draws her very nice and the next one is black manta uh we did a black manta episode i loved how they did black manta in the in the movies He's just he's Black Manta. I mean, like, how could you not like Black Manta? He's, he's super cool. Amazing design. The coolest helmet in comics. Uh, then I went to my early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle days and pulled out Ray Filet, who is a talking mutant Manta Ray character. <laughs> he's great. I had his I had his action figure. He's he's 
he's blue and he's wearing a jumpsuit or a, he has a very big smiley grin he's like yeah um so ray filet why not the next one is mara who is uh aquaman's sort of better half queen um i i think she's really powerful as well um maybe more powerful than than aquaman in some cases arguably it, she's so i have her on the team as well to kind of ground things in her resources with the um the royal uh atlantean um connections and of course one of my favorite characters from the harley quinn show who i've just gotten to love is king shark so i threw king shark in there because you know you just gotta love king shark now i know we only picked five but i uh, you i know you, i saw you had a little mascot so my additional honorable mention is <laughs> is if you've seen rick and morty they parodied namor with this character <laughs> in the beginning of season five named mr nimbus and mr nimbus is an incredibly egotistical very sexual being that rick has a past with the king of the ocean who declares war on humans unless Rick gives him what he wants. Unless and he stays out of the ocean. He stays out of the ocean. And he's, he's just, he's, it's so funny just to, just to see how they poke fun at this character. He's kind of like a weird mix of, you know, uh, of, of Namor and, and, um, Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's just this weird uh, character, but it's it's very funny. Mr. Nimbus is their unofficial mascot. Okay, what do you got? Who do you got? Well, uh, first one on my team is actually the son of one of your characters. So I chose Aquaman, a.k.a. Calderam. So sure. I am a big fan of Calder. I love his character design, his abilities. So it looks like we're getting... Uh, Father versus th- son in our matchups. Love it. Next up, I got the ultimate waterbender herself, Katara from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Big fan of Katara. She can manipulate. Yeah. She can manipulate water in a million different ways. Able to change things to ice. Uh, big fan of her. Next up, uh, going to some some anime roots. Uh, a show that I was obsessed with as a kid was Ronin Warriors. So I chose. Uh, I believe you pronounce his name Sai. So Sai Mori or Mori Shin. He has, has the torrent armor and he's able, it's powered by water. And before he even got his armor, he was able to swim to the bottom of the ocean to find it without using a tank. So he just did it. So he already has some level of aquatic abilities. And then next up, of course, I'm, I had to choose a power ranger and, uh, one of the water-based Power Rangers is actually the Blue Wind Ranger from Power Rangers Ninja Storm. So that's uh, Tori Hansen. And not only do you get her with her Power Ranger abilities, but you also get her Dolphin Zord. So my mm-hmm. team has a mech on top of that. Uh, next up is going to be uh, a big fan of this one. So Blastoise. I had to throw a water-based Pokemon on my team. <laughs> and I want I want a bruiser. I want someone that can take some hits and just dish out some brutality. So going water Bowser with Blastoise and uh, uh, yeah, King Shark versus Blastoise for sure. I'm down for that. Trying to bite the shell. Let's go. <laughs> and my mascot of the team is going to be all star seaworthy from the Snorks. Boo. <laughs> yeah, the Snorks better than the Smurfs. Snorks. snorks are better than Smurfs. Uh, you know what? I almost threw in, you know, there was a uh, uh, Thundercats and then they had Silverhawks, which is the space 
bird version of Thundercats. And then they also had a third team that not as many people watch the show, which was called Tiger Sharks. And and the Tiger Sharks were made up of, you know, various things like that. Do you remember Tiger Sharks? No, but I should have chosen a street shark. (laughs) Street Sharks. Oh, that would have been a good. We could have picked Street Sharks. I would have done that. And I would have oh, either the Hammerhead one or the Orca. Both of those were amazing. Well, of course, I think your team is is more um, power heavy, but my team has definitely got some personality and uh, a lot of craftiness and um, yeah, some heavy hitters as well. Agreed. So it'd be interesting. I would read a comic with I would read a comic with both of these teams. Absolutely. Let's make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to close the book on Namor. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer. Imperious Rex. Imperious Rex. for centuries, but we shall suffer it no longer. Know that I am Namor, ruler of the kingdom of Atlantis. Your time in the sun is over.